This is the Software and Technology Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you information, education, and inspiration, only on MarketScale. The more diversity of thought of the people working at tech companies, the better. The blockchain idea was around 91, the same idea of in the digital world, we need verifiable documents. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Market Scale Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Thanks so much for joining us for another round of B2B deep dives and conversation. While you're listening, if you are interested in hearing some more of our content, make sure you go to marketscale.com industries and make sure you're subscribing on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So folks, on this episode, we're highlighting a growing business relationship in B2B. And that's the relationship with a digital creative provider or a marketing firm. Uh, you know, they fill similar purposes, but basically what we're seeing is many companies have to run a lean marketing operation, whether that's intentional, whether that's just they don't have the resources to bring an entire team in house. Uh, this sometimes even leads to an operating team of one for all marketing initiatives. That's just the reality um, in our enterprise world today. So this opens the door for the rise of digital marketing firms in the enterprise ecosystem to become not only useful, but a necessity. And this makes the big decision that much more important. The questions of how do you know if a digital content provider is really up for the task of elevating your marketing and your content? How do you know if they're really invested in the growth of your brand? How do you hold them accountable for their work? And how do you measure the quality and the impact of their work so that the relationship is worth the investment, both the time investment and the financial one, obviously. So we're running all of these questions and more by our guest for the episode today. I'd like to welcome Lydia Adams, VP of Marketing and Communications for Personiv. Lydia, great to have you on the show. Looking forward to unpacking all of this with you. How are you doing today? Doing great. Thanks a lot, Daniel. I'm looking forward to it as well. Absolutely. So let's jump right in. Um, You know, I, I think we see the marketing landscape change a lot. Uh, content marketing is key nowadays, not just to to stand out, but to really even be a player uh, among your competition. What are some of the most common marketing needs that you're seeing for small and medium-sized businesses today? And why do you think those needs are the ones that are materializing? I know it kind of changes from industry to industry, but if you had to generalize a little bit, what are those most common needs and why are those the needs today? Yeah, I'm really glad you mentioned content marketing because I think, you know, going back a few years, um, it wasn't as essential as it is now. But Um, no matter the size of your business, you really have to be putting out a lot of this educational content, uh, things that, you know, people find really valuable. uh, And that takes a lot of time. Um, And, you know, running a a blog and even, you know, what we're talking about here on a podcast um, as another type of content, a lot of small businesses, you know, up to large businesses are looking at their resources and what they have to put out there. You know, they have um, the need for a really great writing team um, to be able to put out articles, blogs. Uh, You know, you have, you still have the PR side that, you know, 
all of us from kind of a while back remember um, having to interface with the media. And then, you know, on top of that, you have the SEO needs for your website um, and SEM and other types of digital advertising. And even just going back to your website, you have to keep it fresh. And so it's just a lot for a lot of uh, marketing departments today to have to handle. Right, exactly. And, you know, like I said, there just aren't always the resources available for a company to bring all those needs in-house. And uh, that creates a, a dynamic where, you know, you need all hands on deck to have a marketing presence, you need social, you need um, you know, video content, you need maybe even podcast content, uh, blog posts, there needs to be email campaigns. I mean, all of this takes a lot of effort. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, for those lean operations, they probably try to hone in on a few things. What type of content is really winning in the marketing landscape today? Is it videos, podcasts, social media, blogs? I mean, there's a whole gamut of stuff, live content even. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, after you break that down, do you think that it's important to have a broad gamut of creative services regardless of your business size? So, yeah, in terms of content marketing that is essential today, I think that video is one of the the top uh, types of content that small businesses, mid-sized businesses are going to have to uh, start to create. And, you know, it's even evolving now. We're seeing TikTok emerging, you know, so so video is, is definitely key. And I still go back to, um, despite, you know, the emergence of video as, as a as a key player, um, blogs are still really essential as well. You know, I mean, for a lot of people, you know, when they want to learn about something, whatever that would be that, you know, the type of service that you're offering, they're going to want to get some in-depth information. And, um, so, you know, blogs are essential, long form content, uh, is still, is still important things like eBooks and white papers. Um, and, you know, even going into podcasting, I think it's it's definitely audio is something that we're kind of coming back to. Um, perhaps you have people that, you know, they consume video regularly, but also, you know, audio is something that they want to be able to just pop in and listen to um, while they're working or whatever. So, you know, especially in this B2B space, I would say uh, video, long forms, blogs, and, you know, really taking a look at podcasting. So with that reality of needing so much content to stand out, how common has outsourcing your marketing become for some of these businesses? Is it an expected and necessary business relationship at this point? Um, and yeah, what, what does that dynamic look like? Yeah, I think it really is. Um, You know, in your intro, you mentioned even having a team of one. And I have been, you know, a one woman marketing team several times. Yeah. And, uh, you know, even at this point with a smaller team of my own, um, it is really difficult to achieve all of these facets of marketing um, with such a small group that, you know, you just don't have the resources. So, you know, I think in, in the past, maybe, you know, you would see these larger teams and stuff like that. But, um, but nowadays, you know, a lot of people are in that position where they need to, to go out and look for, you know, a provider and have a relationship with someone that can, uh, kind of fill the gaps. And for me and my team and, you know, what I've seen from a lot of colleagues in the, um, 
in the marketing world is, you know, they have their top priorities, you know, whether it's, you know, content is first and then having, you know, the website stuff and SEM and, you know, what is it that makes, you know, that you feel like you need to have in-house uh, and from there, you look at everything else. And that might be, you know, like your PR or, um, you know, your SEO or things like that, that you can find someone, um, you know, a company that can help you to be able to, um, you know, actually bring that all together to a, to have a full uh, full marketing strategy on your hands. What would you say are the consequences of having a poor relationship there with your marketing firm or um, your digital services provider. Is that something that is becoming more of a problem as more businesses are needing these services? I guess, you know, are we seeing more people try to deliver on these services and maybe not do so great of a job at it? Mm -hmm. And how does that, you know, burn the rest of the industry, basically? Yeah, definitely. I think uh, one of the most key things is, you know, this is your brand and this is your image. And, you know, um, marketing and communications teams are responsible for so much today. Um, you know, the the alignment with sales and being part of that uh, process to bring in new business. And when you put yourself out there to work with a provider um, and they don't take your brand as seriously as you do and they don't understand the tone or, I mean, even things like, um, you know, the color and the font and like all of the marketers know what I'm talking about. It's like these things are sort of sacred to us. And, you know, you want to be working with someone who understands that and and knows um, how important it is. Uh, because as you said, when these relationships go poorly, um, you know, it's going to have an effect on your customer acquisition and your customer retention. And it it can be kind of a bad situation um, to sort of come back from that. So it is so important to be able to have that relationship with your provider, you know, being somebody that you can trust. Definitely, definitely. I mean, especially if it is a relationship that um, basically creates all of your marketing results. If that is a bad relationship or an incredibly transactional relationship, things aren't going to have investment behind them. They're not going to have vision behind them. And it's going to feel kind of like checking the boxes without actually having a strategy for your marketing content. Um, how have you seen companies get burned in the past with, you know, a, a poor marketing firm partner? Uh, you know, you don't have to get into any specific names or anything, but if you could just contextualize a little bit what those real consequences are mm -hmm. um, when you have a bad partner. Yeah, I mean, I think um, kind of seeing your your online reputation go down or become less professional, um, that's something I've seen. And to me, that's just, you know, not okay. It's it's essential to keep that uh, that message and that professionalism 
uh, no matter who you're working with. And when when uh, that goes down, and it could be a misspelling on an ebook that goes out to all of your potential clients, or perhaps it's an article, you know, that has your name on it, and it just doesn't reflect who you are. Um, and those things, um, again, you know, it's it's not just a, a one-time mistake, like a lot of those types of things will uh, really have a, a bad effect on how you're seen in the marketplace and how you're seen by your potential customers. Um, and to me, that's just not excusable. So, you know, it's it's just um, those consequences can actually be really huge, yeah. even, uh, even when it seems like it's a small you know, just kind of like a small thing. Um, I, we've found for, especially in B2B, you know, uh, potential customers do not have any patience for that. You know, if they see, like I mentioned, the misspelling on, on your content or something, um, they'll, they'll make a snap judgment about what kind of, um, company that you are, what kind of professionalism that you, that you have. And so it's just, um, it's important to keep that communication with your provider, you know, to, make sure that they uh, understand the importance of these things and that they feel that same responsibility uh, for your brand that you feel. Yeah. I mean, essentially it's like hiring on someone to work for your company. Just there's a little bit of, uh, of separation there, but you want that kind of emotional buy-in at least um, because at the end of the day, your success is the partner's success and the partner's success is your success. Yeah. So that relationship really needs to be a partnership. And I have worked with vendors in the past personally where, you know, that relationship is just kind of a vendor relationship and, and doesn't have that emotional buy-in, like you mentioned. Um, whereas with others, you know, you really feel that this, this company and this representative I'm working with, uh, really care about, you know, my customers and my image and my reputation and, and my brand. And, um, again, just holding that to such a high level of importance. And that really comes with um, an excellent relationship. And I think a big part of that is also just, you know, the communication uh, from the beginning of what you expect as a marketer and, you know, getting that real sense of trust that, that this company will be able to deliver. So if that trust is so important to a successful uh, relationship with your uh, marketing services provider, how do you extend that relationship so that it goes beyond just a transactional one? What are ways that um, you know, you've seen that relationship foster in a healthy way, in a proactive way, in an authentic way? Uh, yeah, give us some you know, anecdotal experiences there. You know, I think, you know, one of the ways is, is going beyond, um, the, just the weekly call, you know, I think that that's pretty standard. A lot of, um, companies I've worked with, you know, you have that as your, your first line of communication. Um, as a person who has hired a firm in the past, you know, I think that what has been really helpful for me is that whenever I see anything um, that gives me any kind of question, um, you know, once that trust is is set, uh, it's important to bring that up 
to the vendor um, and say, hey, I'm not feeling secure with this. Um, you know, this is, let's say it's the first time something like that has happened. Um, I would say address those issues head on right away. Um, that allows the provider to come back to you with feedback and to make it right. Um, at some point, you know, I think we've all experienced where um, it, it, that doesn't happen <laughs> and, it, and it's not the right relationship. Um, you know, I'm in an interesting position being a marketer that has used vendors and then also working for a company now that provides these types of services. And, you know, we definitely at Persona, you know, really do go above and beyond in terms of, um, you know, making sure that our clients are happy and that that relationship is paramount. Um, and it's really just the foundation, um, that trust is the foundation to be able to um, have those open and honest conversations on a regular basis, um, uh, what we can do better, you know. And I think that sometimes I've been on the other side of it and I haven't seen that eagerness, uh, you know, from a vendor that's some, you know, they're not actually really trying to go above and beyond. And I think, you know, having this experience working here at Personiv, from now on, that's really what I look for when I, when I go out to, to, to work with a, a marketing firm or whomever, you know, I'm looking for that eagerness for them to really, really, um, you know, make, this relationship the best it can be and to make sure that, you know, I succeed and that they really feel emotionally invested, as you kind of said previously, um, that it matters to them. And the thing is, is, you know, um, that sort of thing can't be faked. If you care about your customers, it just shows. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we are in an era of authenticity, um, or at least, you know, an era where people seek some kind of authenticity. Sometimes, you know, that can still be a bit manufactured, but alas, just the just the the desire for it, right? We want the uh, celebrities we engage with online to feel like, oh, I'm really getting to see their real side, right? And and I know that's a kind of a, a tangent, but I think that really speaks to how differently uh, our tools allow us to view the world and that manifests itself in the tools that we use for our marketing and then obviously that manifests itself in you know how we want to build those relationships with the people who are making that authentic content so if you're looking for authentic content you obviously want an authentic relationship behind it to help support that content as well so I don't know. I, I'm I'm kind of connecting the dots here going going big brain with it a little bit but but you know it's it's uh it is, I think, important to look for that kind of authenticity in your partner. Uh, okay, so to wrap up the conversation, I want to get into some specific tips here now. Um, what should businesses be looking for in their creative agency or, or their marketing firm? And what are the key flags that they need to really watch for and seek out? Both the good ones that they should be looking for and the red flags they should be watching out for and avoiding. So at the start of any relationship, um, and this isn't going to be news to anyone, um, for a creative company, their their items in their portfolio obviously are extremely important. Uh, that you know you can look for the quality because I think you know when you're talking about branding and creative design and those types of visual things, there's nothing you know more important 
than looking at what they've already done and seeing if that fits uh, for what you're trying to uh, achieve. So that would that would be one thing at the beginning. And then, of course, you know, always get reviews, always get um, references from current customers of theirs and ask them the questions that you really need to know. I mean, we have been talking about trust and emotional investment and relationships, and those are so important that that is the kind of thing to really get into when um, you get on a reference call, for sure. Um, In terms of red flags, once you've, you know, set forth on this relationship, a lot of times those uh, may not show up for a couple of months and you're, you know, starting things off and everything's great. You know, my advice, as I said previously, just make sure that whenever there is anything slightly off that gives you just a, just a tiny bit of a pause and makes you go, that's not quite right, um, that that is taken care of immediately. And I think from that first point um, of redirect, that's when you're going to find out the type of company you're working with. Because every, you know, every vendor, every marketing firm, whatever, you know, they're going to possibly misstep and it's not going to be exactly right. And that's fine. I think it's really the way that they react when you come in and say, hey, this isn't up to my standards. Um, You should be able to see that that turns around right away and they take it extremely seriously. Um, If if that's not the case, you know, that's where you may be in for, you know, a, a couple more difficult conversations with them and, and possibly ending a relationship. But that would be um, sort of my tips to things to look out for. What are some things that businesses should look for um, in their digital content provider to know if they have the infrastructure and the mentality uh, to be up for the task of elevating uh, their marketing and content. So, you know, what are some of the like tangible, literal business model things they should be looking at, as well as just some of the attitude that they might get from people that they're interfacing with? They should be able to give you actual results. And, you know, when I mentioned portfolio and and looking at uh, things that they've created in the past, you know, that doesn't necessarily apply to someone who's coming in and doing your SEM and your SEO, for example. But, you know, I think the things that I've seen with some providers that I ended up not going with, the the issue there was that they could not actually provide me a tangible number of, you know, like I want to know before I sign on the dotted line, you know, what percentage um, of traffic has increased with, you know, a particular client? And can you give me any kind of um, concrete numbers, concrete results that that I can expect for myself? Um, and I think it's a red flag when, you know, you get a lot of sort of um, not really answers to those questions. You just kind of get, yeah, we we help with SEO, we help with SEM, you know, we get more clicks, we get more, um, you know, visitors to your site. Those types of things make me a little bit uh, leery in terms of going forward with somebody. So, so definitely being able to get a case study or some sort of documentation of what has actually been done and what those results really are. And then you can always go back to that as well and say, hey, you know, at the start of this relationship, um, you said this is what you have done and have been able to do. And this is what I'm expecting. There's obviously a sense of accountability that comes with these relationships. Um, You know, I think 
I think both an accountability for the business um, so that the services provider feels like, okay, you know, this business has a vision for their marketing. You know, they, they understand what they need to get out of their marketing. So therefore, you know, they're going to be appreciative of our services. And then the other way around as well, um, you know, a sense of accountability for the marketing firm to obviously uh, deliver something that's high quality. Obviously, there's a sense of accountability for both parties to be invested. Um, How have you found that these businesses should hold each other accountable in this relationship in a way that feels you know, still professional, um, but focused and, you know, understands the importance of a healthy business relationship. Yeah, I I think that, you know, having those KPIs, SLAs, uh, you know, those those results predetermined and what's expected from both parties is definitely essential from the very beginning, you know, and, um, that requires some planning and it requires, you know, a lot of work on during the beginning of the relationship, but it, it really helps. And, um, you know, there's that way there's just no surprises, um, from either side, you know, and even as, you know, as someone receiving services, I have, you know, been in the situation where I'm expected to, let's say, approve an ad or respond um, to an article, things like that. And, you know, I know that it's my it's my responsibility as the client to do so, or it will delay, um, you know, the final result. And on the flip side, being a provider, you know, we like to go in and, and, put it all out there at the beginning, you know, what the process will be, what the expectations are, what the SLAs are, what the KPIs are. And, you know, it gives everybody a really good sense of what to expect. It gives everybody um, kind of those good feelings about, okay, this is a good thing going forward. The trust is there. Um, And so I think that that's very important. And then the second piece of it would definitely be the communication, uh, to keep up that accountability. And, you know, one of the things that we do at Personiv is having really that one-on-one relationship, um, with each of our clients, you know, so that they feel, you know, that we're, we're on top of it. We're, we're there for them. Um, no matter when they're sending us an email, asking us a question or whatever, um, it's the fact that, that there's somebody, there's somebody there that they can rely on. Um, and I've in, in my experience being a client, uh, that has also always helped me, um, to maintain that accountability and to, you know, really have a greater success. All right. Last point before we wrap, Lydia, you mentioned earlier, uh, being able to actually measure quality and impact of the work that you're getting from your marketing firm. Are there any specific analytics that businesses should be asking for and looking for so they can measure that quality and impact? And what are some of the more intangible positive impacts that might come from quality content that businesses should be looking for that, you know, are harder to attach to a number, but are just as important? So in terms of of metrics, I think that something that, you know, as a marketer, 
we should all be watching out for when we're going with a vendor is vanity metrics. And it's kind of hard to say in general for every situation in every industry what that would be. Um, but, you know, for some people, for example, uh, shares of, of a blog article are huge for them. That that makes a lot of difference. Or um, for other people, impressions on, you know, their Google ads is and make a difference. Whereas for others, you know, it really comes down to the number of customers that are brought in from, from these efforts, or, you know, maybe it's the clicks and maybe it's the conversion. So I think, you know, it's kind of hard to answer that overall, but the, the thing that I would say is before you even engage, uh, with, a vendor or start the process of outsourcing these types of things, make sure that you understand what those metrics are that matter to you and matter to your company and um, really have a good look at what would success mean once this relationship has, you know, been going and everything's set up, like what does, you know, success look like? And that's what you can share um, at the start of a relationship with a firm to, to help them to understand what you're looking for. Um, so that's that's my answer in terms of metrics. For the intangible uh, results, I think a lot of that comes from your gut, honestly. You know, there's, there's uh, ways that you can measure quality for sure, and you can put numbers behind that. But for me, it is that, you know, is this something that if I did it myself, that it would be just as good? And my standards are pretty high, so that's kind of how I measure things. Um, those intangible uh, measurements like, are these results aligned well with the direction that we're going as a company? And is it aligning with our values and what's important to us? And again, I mean, just looking at looking at the quality, I think a lot of us know what's good and what's not. And, you know, whether it's writing or design or advertising um, or any of the myriad you know, um, tasks that can be performed by an outsourced provider, it's important to look at it and say, is this just as good or better than what would have been done in-house? Agreed. It's important in these kind of relationships to always stay grounded and always, uh, you know, look to what is going to benefit my company the most and how can I get the most out of these relationships? All right, Lydia Adams, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Again, Lydia is VP of Marketing and Communications for Personiv. I've really enjoyed your perspective today, Lydia, and looking forward to chatting again in the future. Yes, thanks so much, Daniel. I appreciate it. Have a good day. And thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of the podcast. If you like what you heard and want to listen to previous episodes, I'll point you in the direction of marketscale.com slash industries. There you'll find plenty of podcasts, articles, and video content from all of our different industries, including software and technology, retail, building management, architecture and design, you name it. You can also find our podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And make sure you're leaving a rating and a comment wherever you're listening to your podcast content. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time.